This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Tyler Metcalf, joined as always by Tyler Rucker, live and in person in Portland at the Nike Hoop Summit. But Rucker, more importantly, we are joined by fellow No Ceilings members, the hosts of the Draft Act podcast, Albert Gim, Corey Tullaba. Fellas, how are we doing? We're happy to be here, man. Um, personally, I'm hoping that this could be uh, the revenge pod for uh, Bryce Sensabaugh, which we had our our big Sensabaugh discussion a couple of days ago on. Yeah, I'm the, running the show now, so no. So uh, Albert, uh. <laughs> it's good to be. Here. I'm I'm, ex- I'm excited. Um, you know, for our faithful listeners, we we talked about this Metcalf, me and you meeting for the first time, but now we also got the draft deck with us, Albert and Corey. We've had a lot of fun. Albert finally got here. A lot of basketball talk. A lot of uh, draft discussion on the line. A lot of things we've been giggling at. Um, it's been a good week. It's going to get better. But this is going to be a fun episode. Everyone knows why we're here when we got some special guests. Yeah, so we're just going to have a little fun uh, this episode. Run through our most recent big board that dropped over on NoCeilingsNBA.com. It's 100% free. Go check it out and make sure to hit that subscribe button while you're there. Um, so we're just going to standard format run through five at a time for the first round and then 10 at a time in the second and just give our thoughts our likes our dislikes general reactions players we fall in love with players we are skeptical on so on and so forth so let's just get right into it um starting in the top five uh we have victor Wembanyama at one scoot henderson at two brandon miller at three juris walker at four and cam whitmore at five rucker what kind of stood out to you uh whitmore making the charge back up to me uh, i think the top four is absolutely beautiful i'm really proud of everybody for for having that you know weighted average but whitmore making the charge i think some people around this table probably have some comments about that i'm really interested to see what Corey says about cam whitmore if Corey uh, wants to get into it are sure. you believing again or well, no first you know top four no notes um we crushed that yes yeah so i i mean i saw cam in person at the Big East tournament he's one of the guys that i was just like I, I need to see him live i need to see the athleticism the power the shooting uh, which I, you know, would have got a video for, except security guard gave me shit while I was uh, recording on the floor. But the, that's besides the point. I, I think what impressed me about him throughout the year is I feel like at the beginning of the year it wasn't so much that his offense was taking a little bit of time, but I was like, if you're gonna be this guy who's a top five type of player, you have to be a two way wing, especially if there are questions about the shot. And I feel like the beginning of the year, it was just like underwhelmed defensively. But as he got more comfortable and the year went on, I feel like he started doing some things on the defensive side of the ball. 
And when you look at his frame, with the way he moves, that's what's intriguing to me. Because now, if you're a two-way guy who's that athletic, that fluid, and has shown the ability to knock down some pretty tough shots and score in isolation, he's been he's terrific in isolation, which he absolutely needed to do because that Villanova offense was a tough watch, then I get it. I'm not there, but I have come up on him from I think where I was because he showed the kind of things in a really not great context that I wanted to see. So I, I do think he's very fit dependent as far as like if he maximizes his you know high end outcome. But I also think that he showed some stuff that makes me believe that even if he hits his median outcome, he's still going to be a guy who you're probably not so much going to regret drafting. Um, where some other guys you could be like, ah, oh, we really swung and missed. So I'm I I'm not with it in the top five, but I I see the I see the vision. Albert Albert hit it with it. I I feel like we're kind of burying the lead here, um, and what I mean by that is, um, of the four of us, Corey was the only one that had um, Brandon Miller at two. Um, yeah, well, so I mean, I, come on. Oh, I missed that. You know what I'm saying? Like, Say I, I it with feel your like chest. You know? I, I oh, feel you like coward. We kind of <laughs> hey, we kind you, of you know what's great? over that one. You, you know, know what's great, Albert, is we, we have you as a guest on the show, and then you basically just call us out in the first 10 minutes <laughs> for doing a shitty job. So, here, let's, yeah, let's start that. Corey, or no, Albert, you go first. Okay. What do you think about Whitmore? I also oh, want to see what everyone thinks about a good fit for Cam Whitmore. That's my next question, so everyone can think. But you can give me your thoughts. Okay, well, okay. First off, with Whitmore, um, I get it. He's still ninth for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel pretty okay with him being ninth. Um, I, I think for me, there, I just have other guys that interest me more. And at the same time, like when I think about my board and I think about how much I hate my board, like I, <laughs> I'm Whitmore could definitely be at five tomorrow. So uh, don't put too much stock into what I'm saying right now. But um, I, ultimately, for me, with him, well, well okay, we'll, we'll get to Scoot eventually. But with with Whitmore, I just He's really strong, um, and he's someone before the season we talked about as well. I think we did a we did a pod about him right before uh, the season season even started, and I feel like he was able to flash that enough. Um, he had a slow start, obviously with injury and stuff like that, but I, I feel like for me, I mean, I'll say say it with my chest, I have Jed Howard in my top five, right? And yeah, I, you do. And I love yeah. I love the shooting and I love the secondary playmaking stuff, and yeah, he do, he never ever grabs a rebound, but. It's okay. Overrated. He does, he does other great things, you know, that I'm excited about. So um, I, I get it. Whitmore, athletic, power wing, as Corey mentioned, two-way guy. Um, but I'd like to hear about the Scoot Brandon Miller stuff, if that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah please. We could go at it. You know, we'll, we'll three-hour podcast coming, but let's party. I'm, I'm ready to rock. So, Corey, you you officially made the jump. Yeah, it wasn't easy. Yeah. I, I wasn't like just ex- really excited to do it but i figured they would be in a situation where i might have to be in this predicament and kind of <clears throat> you know give my uh, you know reasoning for it um and i, I want to preface it by saying i still love scoot as a prospect and have no qualms about him going second for a lot of teams i think that would make a lot of sense for him to go second but with brandon miller i think a lot of us are kind of looking at him as a finished product for some reason. 
with and you know with guys that we compare him to we're looking at the eighth year in the league version of that guy and going oh well he can't be brandon ingram or or the this you know paul george or whoever and it's like well can you go back and watch paul george at fresno state for a little bit trick question that film is unwatchable it's super blurry um (laughs) but i've been doing stuff like that i've been going back and watching all of these old college wings to be like well what do they look like in college you know how much more have they developed in the league and brandon miller is like pretty developed at this point now he's also a little bit older than some of those guys were as freshmen so you have to take that into context and i think where we're at with the game itself, maybe the training is a little bit more advanced even than it was 10 years ago. But I look at a guy who shot nearly 40% from three on insane volume the entire year at 6'9", who I think is a really, really good passer and is going to really pop next year as a passer improved throughout the year he rebounds even when he's he has those games where you know he's not scoring he's grabbing boards he's making plays he's making defensive plays he's doing all of this stuff and i look a lot of people say it's a wings league it's certainly trending in that direction he's a guy who i think is going to be valuable in the playoffs even if he's a you know a second uh you know a second option on a team like i think that's worth drafting at that point so i i looked at that I mean, guys, I don't know if you know this, Jordan Wara just had a 25-point quarter. <laughs> I look at how easy offense is for guys who could shoot and and score at the wing spot in this modern NBA with all this space. I've seen what he, he looks like in an NBA-type system at Alabama, and it looks awesome. And I, I feel okay with that decision. He's also a guy that I was way, way in on from the preseason, so it's not yeah. like I'm making this outlandish jump in my own mind. Um, I've, I've been a long been a big fan and i love scoot but you know if if we want to tear apart brandon miller for his last couple games in the tournament which were admittedly not great who was dealing with a little bit of an injury and who knows if that had anything to do with it maybe he just sucked i don't know um scoot wasn't great down the stretch either you know he really settled his motor was not running super hot the shot wasn't great He doesn't get to the, he wasn't getting to the rim nearly enough. And I think it's okay that we pick apart the top prospects a little bit, you know, like scoot. It's okay to, to, to nitpick a little bit with him. It, it can't just all be roses. If if that's the case, then how is he going to get better in the league? Right. I I think it's okay to nitpick Victor Wembanyama, right? Like there, there are things that these guys need to improve on. And I think scoot can do that. Scoot's also a guy where you look at it. Maybe it's a little harder if he doesn't pan out in that top, percentile outcome maybe it's just a little bit harder to build a team around that and for him to fit and now all of a sudden he's a guy who needs the ball in his hands but what happens when you have to draft the next guy who needs the ball in their hands and now what's scoot you know what is scoot doing can he play off of other guys i think he can but i'm not nearly as confident about that as i am with brandon miller i think brandon miller's got pretty high upside himself uh i think expecting to draft somebody who is absolutely going to change your franchise in a way that all of a sudden you're going to go from lottery team to lock for a playoff team to championship contender 
is insane. Lucas yeah. might not make the playoffs. Trey Young might not make the playoffs. Uh, LeBron James, I mean, uh, he might not make the playoffs, right? Like, uh, they, have, they have like a 60% chance, I think. But they're in the play-in, right? They're in the play, right. in the play, in, the play right? yes. You know, like he might not make the playoffs. It's really, really hard yeah. for one player. You got to, uh, for me, I'm trying to look at, at a team-building aspect of like, all right, how can these guys fit in with other really good players so we can maximize? And I just think Brandon Miller has a little bit more malleability, which if you're on NoCeilingsNBA.com today, you could probably read a piece about that by uh, host Tyler Metcalf over here. Rucker, have you wavered at all on Scoot at two? No. (laughs) Why? Um, I love all of them. I mean, we've had this discussion off the the air. What's the gap like for you? It it's not as far as it was early in the year, and I, we've had this discussion off the air. And I literally joked with Corey the other day, like I was I was watching Brandon Miller versus South Carolina, and I was laughing hysterically by myself like a crazy person at how good he looked, like mm-hmm. he was making superstar plays on both sides of the floor. I don't think it's that crazy. I I just I'm all in on Scoot. I absolutely love what he has, and I think there's I think that's a lot of reasonable. Yeah. I don't, I'm not knocking anybody. No, I think yeah. most people feel like that, and I think yeah. it's justified. Yeah, and you might be proved correct overall. But yeah. I also know that the draft is really unpredictable, and the guys that are are locks now, it's a used car. As soon as you drive it off the lot, all of a sudden, it's not this prospect anymore. It's a player who's on an right. NBA team and. Things change. Jabari Smith, lock for number one all the way up until 30 minutes before yes. the draft. Yes. And while he came on strong at the end of the year, you got guys like Jalen Williams, Benedict Matherin, Jaden Ivey, Keegan Murray, I mean, Walker Kessler. Uh, <laughs> we can go on and on on, you know, like guys that now have, um, you know, a, a, a real legit reason to, to bump them up the draft. It happens, right? So I don't think Scoot is immune to that. You no, know what I mean? I, I, so, I agree. So I, I think it, it's a worthwhile to di- discussion where even if you don't fall on the side where you, you waver off Scoot, I do think you have to at least talk about it. I'm talk, I'm, I've had that conversation in my head not only with Brandon Miller, I've had it about Jarris too. Like if I if I really say it with my chest and believe in Jarris, is there a world that I think that he could be the second best prospect in the draft? I think there is a world yeah. where that happens. Yes. You know what I mean? So I, I think these are conversations that are worthwhile to have, even if we ultimately end up in the same place. The the last thing I would say is I think if you get one of the three, you're going to be doing a backflip. Obviously, if everyone gets Victor, you're going to be crazy. Um, but I think that that's how much I think of Brandon Miller, and that's how much I think of Scoot. I think if you get one of those three, it's – Potentially franchise changing. Albert, go ahead. No, just kind of to support everything that you're saying, I'm, I'm with you. And I think for you and I, I think we have the um, unique experience where we got to see Scoot up yes. close and personal. Yes. And we saw him play against Victor, which was a really special thing that we got to see live. And I think the biggest thing with Scoot was um, he really really enjoyed the moment and he was really excited to play against Victor and I think he saw it as like his one big opportunity to really show out against a guy that um everyone and their mother has at number one coming into this draft and um he took the challenge head on and he played great that first game that we got to see him play and I think um 
everyone says that it's a guards league, it's a wings league, right? And Bill Simmons famously always talks about how you can find a guard anywhere, right? And, you know, the the league is filled with these high-end guards. But at the same time, like, yeah, the league is filled with high-end guards. And that means high-end guards are still very valuable. And if you can get a guy that can run your team uh, and be really, really good at that, uh, it's worth taking in the top two or top three. Um, and, and I don't want to say any, any of this to kind of, you know, go against Corey, but I think what it is is like, um, I, I think I'm. That's the reason why I still have Scoot at two. But I totally understand the conversation and the points that you're making about Brandon Miller. It's just with Scoot, I just feel like it's not just the athleticism or the toughness, the physique, whatever. The playmaking is unbelievable, and we got to see that yeah. up close and pers- yeah. personal. Whether it's the way that he was manipulating things, uh, manip- manipulating the defense with all kinds of things, and then. Um, I believe he's going to develop as a shooter. Like his mid-range stuff I think is pretty awesome and I, I think he's going to be able to extend that range out to 3. Of course, that is one of his warts, right? That's something that he's going to have to work on and develop and as Corey said as we have to kind of um examine these top high-end guys, right? Top 3 guys um with a finer tooth comb. I think that's the one area I think with Scoot we're going to have to look forward to him really developing to be a top top guard in the, on the next level. Yeah, and I, I think the key with all of that is that all, all three of you guys have mentioned it in some form or fashion, but the idea of development. None of these guys are finished yeah. products where Brandon Miller in high school was this mid-range killer. He didn't show any of that in college. There's a whole other realm to his scoring versatility that he has yet to show off, and he had found ways to impact the game consistently. Scoot Henderson, the shot is continuously growing. Last year, the outside percentages were brutal. He's a 17-year-old jumping from high school line to the pro line against NBA-level defenders and grown-ass men. That took a step in the right direction this year. I think it's going to continue to do so down the line. So these guys are never finished products. So when we see pro comparisons of oh, he's like this guy, and it immediately gets torn apart because we're comparing him to a multi-time all-NBA guy. Well, guess what? They grew year over year over year, and it took eight, nine years for them to get into their prime. So the instant gratification, it's never going to be there, and it shouldn't be expected to be there with these guys. What I think we can all safely say is that if you get one of these top four picks and you get Victor or Scoot or Brandon or Jairus, you're going to be really fucking excited. And I know the prize is Victor at one. And for most of the year, it's been Scoot cemented in at two. I wouldn't be surprised if it goes differently on draft night. But even if your team falls to three or four, you should be really excited because there's an absurd amount of talent. Um, we could go all night on this, yeah, but let's, let's, let's move on going. to let's keep the next group of five. Um, so we have Asari Thompson at six, Amen Thompson at seven, Taylor Hendricks at eight, Keontae George at nine, and Anthony Black at ten. Rucker, what stood out to you? Um, I, I, I will say... You know what? I, I don't think any of this did surprise me. I thought the Hendricks, Taylor Hendricks movement was getting enough steam that I thought this was potential he was going to be in the top 10. When I first saw it at eight, I was like, oh, okay, we're here. And then um, the more I thought about it, I was like, this seems right. Um, I don't know. What about you guys? What, what about you? I mean, the Thompson twins being there, I still I, they've been in the same spot. They've been in the same range for, for us, I think, the last three boards off the top of my head. But... Any any surprises? I I think for me, and I'll 
this isn't like me getting up on top of my soapbox trying to be dramatic here. But no, you can do that. That's what we encourage no, on this. That's me, what we love to do it here, especially Walker Kessler mm-hmm. talk. I'm going to say this with my chest here, but um, I have Amon Thompson at like 16 um, on my personal board. See, and this is where we're going to have some fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm really enjoying this. Um, it, and for me, guys, I, I'm not going to get into numbers. I'm not going to get into science. It's a gut thing for me. I, I watch Amen, and I, I'm not that intrigued. Um, with Asar, I felt like the shooting flashes were there more than Amen. And with Amen, it's a gut thing. Like I, I feel something inside me telling me that he's not as great as people say that he is. And so for me, I comparing him and once again i'm telling you guys my big board i absolutely hate it but i went <laughs> line i went line by line and i was like i don't like him better than him or him or him and he dropped to 16 on my board and so for me you know looking at our composite that's probably why he ended up where he did because he's a lot lower on my board than everybody else's but i i Look, I get it. Sometimes you can stick to your guns and be absolutely wrong. And sometimes maybe you should pivot from sticking to your guns. But here, in this situation, I really wanted to be true to what I was feeling. And from what I saw on tape, I really am not a big Amen Thompson guy. And people can come for me. And that's okay. We can have a conversation without being nasty. But uh, I I just wanted to say, he's the one outlier there in in that group of five where I was like, he's just not there for me at all. Yeah, I've struggled with both those guys because you see the highlights and I think when you just watch their highlight tape it's some of the most impressive stuff in this entire draft class and then you watch the full game and there are long stretches of just brutal lapses whether it's the shooting the poor at rim finishing just completely zoning out on defense there's a lot to get really worried about but then they wow you with two minutes of absolute athletic brilliance so Corey, you and rucker just finished an awesome piece breaking down both of the twins over at no ceilings nba.com it's 100 free um and i know you guys really struggled with a lot of it because there's just so much that goes into both their games and there's such very vastly different players so where did you kind of land on those two i i think rucker and i and we, we touch on in the piece i think we're a little bit higher on Asar just because we feel more comfortable with his baseline and we still think mm-hmm. he has like a ridiculous high-end potential one of the things I, I actually wanted to do in the piece but Rucker and I were going crazy because we were bouncing between Hoop Summit and having to put this article out um, I had cut up a bunch of clips of like Jalen Brown at Cal and atrocious just unbelievably bad film Not like great. he yeah. was Go a terrible Go decision Celtics. maker couldn't shoot um, would drive into multiple defenders, like, and but he would show flashes. And I, I think that's the kind of thing I, I always try to remind myself. These guys are young, and they're going to look crazy sometimes with their finishing where they try to do all these things. Um, but I see, like, Asar, I feel like he could be that kind of Jalen sidekick. As- uh, Amen... I feel less certain that he could be a sidekick. It goes back to my feelings on like Scoot where, and I think Scoot has a better chance of being a sidekick. Uh, But with Amen, for me, it's like, it's either a hit or it's probably a miss. Um, Because if he's not going to be show that he could be your lead ball handler, well then that team's probably still looking for a lead ball handler. And I don't know how many, how much leash that you give them. And I think this is something that we've talked about internally with a lot of you know guards and more so specifically smaller guards, but it's whose spot are you taking? Because this ain't the overtime elite where you're teaming up and 
35% of your possessions are in transition anymore. This is the NBA. You got to take a really, really great player spot if you're going to be, you know, one of the best players in the league or even, you know, a guy who's a starter. And you only get so much rope for so long because eventually a team has to, like, you can't just be patient forever. You got to find the next guy so you can keep your job. With Amen, and I, I touch on the piece for any of the fans that watch Lost out there, I compared it to Jack and John Locke, man of science versus man of faith. Um, there needs to be a little bit of faith put into Amen because when you look at it more analytically, more scientifically, there's a lot of reasons to be worried. And, and but then again, like Metcalf, like you said, some of the flashes are really great. But then I'd say to myself, well, they're also doing this against 16-year-olds, and they're the same age as Brandon Miller, who everybody shits on for being old for you know his draft year. So to, to be fair, like going back and forth there, it's, it's given me a lot of issues. And me being lower, sometimes I'm just like, is this like a LaMelo situation where I'm overthinking it a little bit? But it, then I'm like, well... I also had LaMelo really high up and LaMelo was doing it in the pro league. So, and you know, I understand that these guys are technically professionals, but it's also amateur at the same time where these guys are doing NIL deals. And again, it's high school kids, literally high school kids who won't be drafted for multiple drafts. And their team was stacked. They were just beating up on worse talent. Like it's really hard. It's, yeah, it's really hard. I, it's just it. It's I'm not a fan of I. This is probably the hardest evaluation I've ever had. Yeah, and like when whenever we talk about age or competition level, it's always in reference to mid major guys. And it's like, oh, this guy was playing in the Big Sky Conference, and they're playing nobodies. Shout out Big Sky Conference, no intended shots. Um, but like you said, these guys <laughs> are you. almost twenty. They're playing against guys multiple years younger than them and the numbers aren't as dominant as they should be so when we we always you know there's always a learning curve with rookies going into the nba and there's going to be a learning curve for victor and for scoot and for brandon miller and those guys are coming out of some of the best leagues possible some of the most competitive most athletic most physical leagues and they showed incredible stuff and dominated for long stretches yeah the thompson twins dominated ote but did that they? dominated feels excessive. The, I, it, the, the team dominated. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so, they dominated. So I don't know so if when they we, dominated, dude. We had this talk, Nick, at the no, beginning no. of the year. They were guarding Amen a lot of times, like Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook. These no. are high school kids. They weren't just daring kids. It, it to was sh- it was the Clark versus South Carolina defense. They weren't you, daring him to shoot. They were double <laughs> dog daring him to shoot, and he was like throwing up air balls. It's not easy. But I want to say, and this is something I put in my piece too. He also really changed and worked on his shooting technique this year so if i'm gonna then now be the optimist he was working through his new shot mechanics and by the end of the the season in the championship games in the playoffs it looked a lot smoother i'm not telling anybody to buy into it now but you can at least take the optimistic view that hey if he can catch and shoot and make it enough with all of that NBA spacing this entire conversation is idiotic he's going to dominate he's going to be he's a top 
athlete in the in the entire league the minute he steps on a floor blah 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 like it could be that too so it's it's a nightmare and i i hate it uh, can i throw some chaos it might, might be dumb. It'd be but weird if you didn't. Yeah, okay. I just want to get everyone else ready. Um, I have a little bit of a hot take that I'm going to throw out there, and if it's terrible, I'll put myself in timeout and everyone else can talk. Thank you. Um, if you swapped a men and Anthony Black, was Arkansas better this year? No. No. I don't. I don't think so either. So then, why are we not thinking of and, and, Anthony Black higher than a men? Well, and and me well, and you just well, wrote a we piece. Are. And that's what I'm saying. Me and you just wrote a piece. <laughs> I had a men at seven. I had Anthony Black at ten. No wait. I have, Anthony, I have Anthony Black higher than I'm, I'm in on my board. Okay, so that's what I'm just saying. Like you were at the point of the year where now I'm like okay. And shout out Jeremy Wu, friend of the program. A couple months ago, yes, he had Anthony Black at like three. Yes. And if there's an argument for I'm in at three, and there is. And there are a lot of people who have him there. Why isn't there an argument for a guy like Anthony Black, who pressured the rim just as much as Amen would have? He had no spacing. And, um, and anyone that wants to call me out, go read me and Corey's piece. I was very optimistic, too, about Amen. Like, I, I think he's special, 6'7". He is an artist in transition with the ball in his hands. But as, as awesome as the highlights look, there's a lot of stuff that worries me because he has special playmaking vision until he tries to do too much until the ball sits until he doesn't see the extra pass that's not sexy but needed at the next level and that's where i'm at right now we're at an important time of the year where you have to start looking at these questions like hey anthony black what why if i'm not giving him enough love and that's what i'm trying to say right now and you can read my piece on anthony black at uh, no sales <laughs> that i did recently called connect the dots and why Plug he's City. he's the exact kind of uh you know connecting piece that you know fits really well on an nba team um he pressured the rim unlike almost any but as far as like playmaking and rim pressure that You're combination amen. amen no no, 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 no. okay anthony are we black. moving on to, or no, well, we got talk, to 10. Well, we Anthony got to Black 10. is at 10. Okay, okay. We're off the rails, but we're having fun. <laughs> That's right. Live for Portland. This is what it's happens Saturday when we're all together <laughs> in a room. Numbers are hard. <laughs> uh, he pressured the rim as far as playmaking and getting to the rim, finishing, dunks, um, foul rate, and, and assist rate. There were two guys since 2008. John Wall and Ben Simmons. And I know we think of those guys right now, post-prime, that version, right? Where we're like, oh, but those guys... When they were on, oh, I love John. Ball. They were all star, all NBA guys. I don't. I'm not saying that Anthony Black is is going to get there, but I'm also saying I'm not saying he's not, because I think a lot of the same arguments were like, well, what happens when Amen gets an NBA spacing? You could say about Anthony Black. Yes, and I feel a lot more comfortable with some of the ancillary stuff with Ant than I do with Amen, even if Anthony Black certainly has his warts and things to to worry about on that end as well. Any thoughts before I want to hit Albert with the question? No. Go ahead. Go. Um, Albert, any other thoughts with those names? Like Taylor Hendricks, Keontae, you got anything? Is everyone here buying Keontae besides the percentages? I think me and Corey have talked about it. Like, I'm just, I'm believing. I don't care. Throw the numbers out. I'm believing in what I see on the court. Is everyone got some questions? Do we think this is a guy that could potentially make a little bit of noise and start rising back up boards? Because... He had a tough end of the season. I think he was a little banged up. But um, what do you guys think? 
He's at um, nine on our board for a reminder because I know we just had a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I, fun. I honestly don't have too much to say because I have met seven, um, which Love is too far from there. Um, I, I think for me with Keontae, I, I don't know. I, I feel like there's more than enough there for us to be excited. Yes. And, and it's weird. Like I'm about to make the argument that there were enough flashes for me to be excited. And yet I feel like I use that same argument against Amen. Which once again comes back to that I probably don't know anything, um, <laughs> but <laughs> but with Keontae, like I, I I believe the shooting is going to be there. I remember before the season started, Corey um, was like, I, I think he could be the best shooter in college basketball, and I think percentage wise, that definitely didn't end up happening. But I. I I think he's going to be a really good shooter. I think um, on the defensive side of the ball, there's going to be stuff there as well. I think his playmaking turned out better than we expected it to before the season started. So I'm still really high on Keontae George. I have him just behind Asar on my board. And yeah, I'm going to skip all the Amen Asar stuff because I think we've done enough. Um, but I, I really like Keontae. I think Taylor Hendricks, I'm struggling with and maybe this is a good conversation for us to have next because he ended up 15th on my board um i get it he has a really nice block in his bag um pretty often but i just don't know like i i think it's okay um we did our pod on taylor Hendricks, and we went over pretty much everything we did over an hour on taylor Hendricks. um I, I i think the shooting looks good i just for me like going back to even what we talked about on the pod i think the way that he was being talked about and projected i had some trouble where i felt like people were talking about him as a wing and i did just completely did not see that at all i think he's gonna be a four and he sh- should be a four I, I don't think he has the handle or the creation at all to be a wing um which is why like i, I think because i have that kind of like stigma in my brain that i continue to hold him back but maybe you guys can talk me into moving up, him up a little bit because i think i'm the lowest on him from everybody at our, at our site right now yeah and for for me personally what really drove him up my board um was the improvement with his on-ball defense throughout the year. And at the start of the year, I thought he was a little heavy-footed, didn't move super well. Um, And then by the end of the season, a lot of his movement patterns on defense were Jaden McDaniels-esque with the way that he was sliding his feet, getting in a stance, switching everything, protecting the rim from the weak side, the defensive playmaking. It was like, holy crap, there is a lot more here than just a weak side rim protector, which I kind of originally thought and had me skeptical on. Um, It was like, there is some crazy defensive upside here then offensively i agree with you i don't think there's any self-creation right now um there's like once every three weeks he would have like a step back or like a mid-range pull-up or something i was like oh that was cool and then he would dribble it off his foot the next possession um where he oddly looked the most comfortable with self-creation was on post-ups and that's why i think he could be better used as a four i think he has really good scoring touch which is evident with the outside shooting um mainly spot up not a whole lot of movement stuff there but he could be a kind of a nasty mismatch at at the four spot where if teams go smaller he's able to post up guys and if they go bigger then he's quicker than them and can use a quick jab step rip through and get to the rim so i don't think he's going to be this on ball creator star but i think his you know i hate this label but three and d potential is pretty astronomical i love that i love it no i i'm right there with you albert i think i had him at 10 but i think there's a lot of people that are trying to drink the kool-aid in a hurry and i like the patience because i think there's a lot of really fun tools 
flashing. But I'm wondering if this is the the shiny toy that we're all like, oh, well, yeah, I like Hendrix. He could chop block. He could shoot three-pointers. He spaces the floor. And it's like, okay, well, is he going to be a little bit more of a project? Me and Metcalf have talked about that where it's like, okay, there's some stuff that still needs to come together. But I think a team could convince themselves that he could be the nice connecting piece to bring things together. So I, I understand what you're saying, but that's all I got. I, yeah. We spent the most time we've ever talked at the top 10 ever. No, so. just, just last comment on Keontae. Some would say the first, the top 10 are the most important guys. Just that is true, that but there. we want people to stay. You know, We need to give, you know, never mind. Just, just, you know, just, fi- just fi- final thought on Keontae. I know the percentages weren't where we wanted them to be, but he was also asked to do the most on the basketball court yes. on both sides of the floor than he's ever been asked. I think that took a lot out of him. Um, physically, you know, when you're, moving on offense way more than he ever did in high school when you're playmaking more than you ever did in high school when you're defending the best you've ever defended in your basketball career the percentages are going to fall off a little bit I'm not worried about him really at all he's been in my top eight top nine all season and I'd be thrilled about taking him there I also want to point out one he had a pretty rough ankle injury towards the end of the year which I mean you know we're jet guys I think that we can say that if affects how yes. you play uh if you've played basketball you know ankle injuries not fun uh i also want to say it's not like he was taking the same kind of shots that derek whitehead was taking where it's just like open spot ups no it's tough he his volume i think he was over 14 and a half threes per 100 possessions which is like you know trey young yeah. numbers and he's taking them off movement he's taking them off the bounds he's taking them from logo range so like it, it, the form looks great he's proven that he could knock these shots down. He's got to rein in maybe a little bit of, of the shots that he does take, but the it there's a difference to me with Keontae and the shots he gets versus some of the other guys we consider tough shot makers because I don't think he has an issue getting the tough shots off, and some of these guys have an issue getting tough shots off. He's just got to work on honing what are good shots. Yeah. Um, so that's why I'm a believer. I have him at six and personally, I, I, you know, really, I, I've had him top five most of the year. I, I, I kind of struggle. Like I, I flip flopped and last minute decision with my five and six guys. Um, but I, to me, like he just looks like an NBA player, yeah. like in every sense of the word. Yeah. All right. Moving on to 11 through 15, uh, Kaysen Wallace at 11, Judd Howard at 12, Jalen Hutchifino, 13, Bryce Sensabaugh, 14, Jordan Hawkins, 15. Albert, let's talk about Jet. Let's talk about Jet. <laughs> no, I, I think for me, Jet has been in my top five for the last like five big boards we've done or four. I'm not sure. Whatever. Who's counting? Um, but the, the, the thing that I love about Jet is, number one, he's gigantic. And I know he's listed at 6'8". People are telling me he's 6'7", but he just looks huge to me on the court. And he very easily, like with the frame that he has, it looks like he's going to add muscle pretty easily. Um, I, I just, I he took really tough shots and he made a lot of them um some of the mid-range stuff i thought was really impressive off the dribble um of course i'm not going to say that he's um rod strickland with the ball in his hands but um i I think the handle's only going to get better and i think he's going to continue to take those shots and i once again like this is something that Corey and i talk about a lot a lot as well when we're talking about prospects is it's not always about the shots that they make but the shots that they're willing to take and i think that's what's really um, exciting about Jet was that he was willing to take really tough shots 
um he he really liked taking shots in the mid-range as well which some people may argue like hey that those aren't good shots but well look at every elite score in the nba they have the mid-range jumper jumper in their bag so you tell me how that's bad um it's important to have um also the secondary playmaking stuff with him i really enjoyed um showed really good touch um we spent uh, a big part of the afternoon today just hating on Hunter Dickinson but um, <laughs> Jed Howard did a really good job of getting him the ball in good spots and I think that deserves a lot of credit as well and I, I just feel like Jet's going to be a really big guy who's going to shoot the cover off the ball and I think there's more to his game than that so um, people can come for me and say that I'm being irrational about him for having him in my top five but um, I'm going to stick to it. And, I, and I'm really excited about it. And I think, yeah, like, look, I get it. He doesn't rebound the ball. He's not an elite athlete. Defense needs a lot, a lot of work. These are things that I think he can work. I mean, the athleticism probably is what it is. It's not like his dad was a freak athlete either. But um, I, I think defensively he's going to improve, and he did improve by the end of the season. Um, as Corey mentioned, he also had an ankle injury that um, hurts you on defense, right? If you have a bad ankle, it's hard to play defense. I think that's uh, common knowledge. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I'm feeling good about Jed. Um, he's going to stay in my top five, and um, you you can come for me. Love it. Rooker, in this range, what kind of stood out to you? Uh, I'm barring any Bryce Sensabaugh talk tonight. Uh, if you want to tune into that, go check out Thursday's Draft Deck episode. Yeah, it's going to be hard for someone across the table to have to hear that <laughs> sentence, but it's it's the right thing to do. Um, I think this range is really, really intriguing because there's a lot of guys at this table right now I'm around that I think we would all argue for some of these players. I love Kaysen. I, love, I absolutely love Casey Wallace. I had him at eight. Um, I feel good about that. I think he's going to be one of those guys that gets overthought, overlooked. He's not the sexiest player, but that's the guy I would be banging the table for if I was in a front office to be like, we can't let this fucking guy pass up. You know, we're going to regret this. He's, we're going to look up and be like, why didn't we just take Casey Wallace? So I love him. Um, and, and I for all the back and forth we've had about Sensible, I will say this one thing. I think that's a good spot for him with the yeah. consensus. Yeah. Uh, right in the lottery, I'm fine with it. So um, some people called out Hood Shafino at 13, and I was like, you got to dream a little bigger. So, uh, we, we've had him in this range. The whole year. Almost the whole season. Yeah. It's been like 13, 15. I feel like it's been all over the place. So Have we talked about Hood Shafino in detail, though? Sorry, yeah, have we talked about yeah, Hood Shafino in detail, though? We can do it. I mean, we, if we you want. you missed that episode. Yeah, right. Rucker and I did an entire episode on on him. We were like, oh, I feel like we're taking crazy pills because he literally was not on draft boards yeah. at the time we did that episode. And we were like, the hell are are we missing? That everybody, what's can somebody let us in on the secret? Because like we said, we've had him in this range pretty much the entire year, and that includes the preseason. And it's like. What if what did the NBA uh, what NBA teams like plus positional size? Okay, check. Um, shot making off the bounce. Okay, check. Two way ability. All right, I think check. Um, so I. It's been absurd. You know, connecting, passing, the ability to play off or with others and make it other check. You know, like okay, sure his inconsistent. If he wasn't inconsistent, this guy is he, he'd be top five. Yeah. So there was a year he, or a time of the year he wasn't even on big boards. That's, That's what I'm saying. saying. That episode I remember, we went. I was like, "What the fuck?"
fuck's going on? Like, yeah, it was. It, it didn't make sense. No, it made no sense. It I was made, like, does he have the worst intel ever, or is the back broken? Yeah, because like, I things. went to go see him because I, you know, look, I'm just gonna put it out there. Sometimes I think it's valuable to go see guys live. Yeah, I think it's that a little it, bit of a shocker. I think it makes. A little bit I of think a it, sometimes you got to see guys up close in person, and I went to go see him against Rutgers, and he didn't play because he had a back issue. And I'm gonna be honest, back issues they're a little scary. Yeah. And it's like, well, it's like, how serious is a back issue? Is it a, you know, did you just land on the floor a little bit hard? Like, is it a, a something you're going to need surgery down the line? It seems like he was fine at the end of the year. Maybe he dealt with some stiffness. Who knows? But at the time, it was like, the only explanation is this dude's back is cooked because otherwise it makes zero sense that he's not on boards. And then as we've seen, he ended up you know, on boards. He sh- he shot up into the potential lottery. He's still there on a lot of boards. A lot of boards have kind of moved him down into the 20s. So, I, I mean, this feels good. It feels right. Yeah, he's, it feels right. He's one of those guys. It's like, did you see him at his, like, if we're talking about peaks, there's, cooking. There, there are a few guys who had a higher, like, if you were like, hey, go watch one game of this prospect and you put everybody's best game up against each other, there are very few prospects in this entire draft that had the highs that he had the game against iowa he was a machine he was throwing dimes left right. he the threw Purdue three game yes the, yeah. the iowa game he threw three three um dimes and they were all just like one of those like oh my gosh like he everything's slow for him right Dude, now compared lot of, to the, the defense like he was of, just beautiful a lot of nba teams play drop coverage yeah guess what he absolutely murdered Drop yeah. coverage, yes. like you know, and and I think you know we talk about context, and because you're talking about his passing, his playmaking, I think it was hidden a little bit in yes. in Indiana because you know that they didn't have a ton of room to operate, um, they didn't have a ton of spacing, they had some shooters, sure, but it wasn't you know uh, the prime warriors or anything. When he gets into more space with better shooters, like I picking more, you know, running more like high ball screens that stuff's gonna pop it's really easy to see him outperform it and we said it and i still believe it for me there's a world in which he's the second best guard in this draft. I, I i think that's a realistic yeah. world he's he's a monster they ran all the time because i watched this film they ran all the time him coming off a little handoff on the elbow yeah. and he'd hit that pull-up jumper it didn't matter if you were all over him because he's like oh, i'm six six i'm hitting the pull-up right here so He's got a mid-range. I think he's going to extend it out. When he was cooking this year, he was extending it out. And I was like, I'm believing the shot. Um, I love him. It, it, I was colder on him, watched his whole film again. And I said, and I even texted Metcalf. I texted you. I said, I'm falling in love again. I haven't watched yeah. Shafino in a while, and I'm falling head over heels again for him. I just, I'm buying. I'm a, I'm a believer. Um, I love everything that you guys said, and I just want to close with this. We spent the day watching the Hoop Summit guys, and we see a lot of smaller guards, and we continue to say, damn, if he was like two or three inches taller, we'd love him. Yeah. It just happens to be that Jalen Hitchafino has those two to three inches, <laughs> and he has great <laughs> great size for his position, and he had a great freshman season. I think we should buy into that. I have him 10th on my board, and I feel great I about like it. That. Like, I really do yeah. think he's going to be excellent, and he's huge for a point guard and it's not just that he's tall but he's a great frame as well so you can see him being a guy you know running pick and roll taking on all kinds of physicality and he's going to be just fine on the next level so uh, i'm with you guys 
Love it. All right, moving on to 16 through 20. We have Grady Dick at 16, Max Lewis at 17, Kobe Bufkin at 18, Colby Jones at 19, and Gigi Jackson at 20. Rucker, what direction do you want to go in? I, I, I'm going to leave this to the rest of the group because I have about three guys in a row from 17, 18, 19 that I just absolutely in in love with. And uh, I'm just happy that they're in the top 20. I'm really excited about this. So um, I don't know wherever you guys okay. want to go. Let's So let's just have the discussion that we have to have here. And I, I think Maxwell Lewis kind of fits into the box a little bit, especially because he's been getting dropped down boards. Yeah. You guys had a, a Gigi Jackson discussion last week. I don't know. Time is a flat yeah. circle. I don't know when that was. That sounds right. Uh, where you were like, let me carry the six. Should, yeah, should, I believe that works out. Should we start buying back into yes. GG? You you guys were watching the McDonald's All American game. You're like, if he was on the floor, he would be the best player on the floor. We're at the Hoop Summit. We've been watching practices for three days now. Oh, gosh, I have and to and it's like, now. if GG was on the floor, would he be the best player on the floor? Probably, right? But he didn't do that. And right. he. He's in this draft. Yes. And he's not the best player in this draft. No. And there are a lot of good players in this draft. Yes. And he is going to stay in this draft. Yes. Which means he's not going to be in the next draft, which means he is going to be in the NBA, so we don't get to talk about him as in some kind of hypothetical world. We have to talk about him as how the fuck is he going to contribute in the NBA going forward? And that's a discussion. And I think Corey liked the last episode. <laughs> no, I, I, no, it, it was just a good discussion. No, it's because it's true. It is a good discussion. It is, but it your is point true. is the truth, and sometimes the truth hurts. And and look, I have you know I I've spoken to about Gigi with a few different you know NBA people, and everybody's confused. It's you know yeah. like I was watching again I. I went, I've been going back watching Old Wings. I was watching Jason Tatum stuff at Duke. And I'm looking, I'm like, dude, this dude's shoulders. He's hitting these tough shots. But there was a lack of that same smoothness that you see now, where he is his full self. And maybe Jason Tatum still has another level to get to, but he is close to what he ultimately is going to be. So when, we, when I look at the highs, if you're just looking at all of Gigi's shot makes, and you're like, oh my God, he kind of looks like Jason Tatum a little bit. However, easy. Jason Tatum's lows were a lot higher than yes. Gigi's lows. And I think so much of, and I get like, hey, I want to swing for home runs in the draft. And that's great. If you do that, you might also end up in the lottery for 15 straight years not making the playoffs. What is, and, and, and now, like we said, is one player doesn't change your entire outlook like it used to because there's so much talent. How does Gigi get drafted and go play on the Suns? Or who? how does he go and play on the Celtics or the Thunder or the Hawks? What does he do that is going to affect winning when, as I quote somebody in the league, he takes the worst <laughs> shot imaginable in that mid-range every time? What does he do? If if somebody could sell me on what he does and the words aren't score off the bounce, then great. I love I would love to hear it. I need to hear it because I look at it and I get it. But it's also like if my job is on the line, is that the home run swing I want? I You know what happens when you try to swing for home runs a lot? You strike out. You strike out a lot. To me, 
I, if I'm weighing the scales, he feels a little bit more like a strikeout than a home run. And I get it. He's young. Uh, he shouldn't be in this class. I get all of that. But what is he good at? Give me the skill that he's good at. It doesn't matter how young somebody is if they don't have the skill they're good at. And if your shot making ain't all-star valuable, then I don't know. Because we could talk about this reclass stuff all we want and how talented he is and he should have been number one and blah, 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 blah. Well, guess what? That's what we said about Imani Bates. Anybody claiming that he should be in the top 10 this year? Anybody? Well, some. (laughs) Nobody, Some, nobody, and we love right? them. We we love them all. Nobody's sane. Um, so I just as easily as you could say, well, he would have been number one. All right. Well, what if he came back and he wasn't? Like, what if he was the same guy and he was still he was forty one, you know, thirty four instead of you know thirty seven, thirty one or whatever he was this year. Like, that's an outcome too. We can't just pretend that he might have been awesome as a freshman if he had stayed in high school because we just don't know. Yeah, and I, I think he is the one guy in this class where it's all theoretical with him, where if you fall in love with him and you really want to make an argument for him, you can. It's also super easy to be like, mm, not top 25. And I think, I know we say this about everyone, it matters with everyone, fit always matters with everyone. But where he lands is going to be so fucking important for oh, yeah. him and the team it, the the culture the coaching staff he's not going to be able to waltz in and do whatever the fuck he wants like he kind of did at south carolina i know he got benched because i mean what else could have fucking happened in that situation um if without the coach completely losing the entire team but he's got to prove a lot to himself to the coaches to front offices these next couple months leading up to the draft are going to be fascinating with him because it wouldn't shock me if he lights up an open gym because his individual skills his individual talent his individual ability to get buckets in tough situations in the mid-range is really really impressive and he is really young and there's theoretically so much room for him to grow and improve on but it's all theoretical at this point and if you're one of these you know rebuilding teams like a portland or you know brooklyn or indiana and you have one of those picks in the 17 to 25 range and it's your second pick of the first round already that's where i think you take a swing on him if you're golden state miami the lakers atlanta new orleans that doesn't make sense they're looking to win now he's not going to contribute to winning now or maybe even in the next three to four years but if you're willing to be patient and there are two three four maybe max situations in the league where the front offices and coaching staffs have have that job security to do that then yeah then you really look at him and then you look like geniuses five years from now when he's looking like the player that he's been pitched as and been sold as but it's it's high risk high reward or you're getting fired i he's he's becoming I mean, Corey just brought it up about like men being one of the most difficult evaluation. I think Gigi's up there um, because we we brought up all the stuff we did in that last episode about like, well, what if he was in this? And it's like, well, I, I wish he was because it would be a lot easier. Um, mm-hmm. But I just watched his game against Alabama. And I just want to put it out there. I hated his high school film. Yeah. I, I, I just want to throw did. that out there. I know you did. Okay, we get it. Okay, the whole town knows Frank. <laughs> but I just watched his game against Bama and... 
um, that's the game Brandon Miller went nuts and you know everyone knows that one but I'm watching the first half and I'm like my goodness like this might be one of the best games I've seen him play and then he starts taking some shots and I was like oh gosh like that was brutal and I feel like there's so many times I catch myself saying that and when you when an announcer in the game says whoa like after a shot attempt you know you're not alone and i'm going through his game logs i've kind of backed up gg throughout the year when it comes to his low assist numbers yeah this is pretty unbelievable he played 32 games this year he had 13 games without an assist yeah not great his c or his season high for an assist in a game was three he did it twice so you're talking about a lot of one assisted games and i've backed him up but 13 games without one assist and I'm taking I'm looking at some of the shots he's been taking on the film lately and I'm like they're terrible shots and then Corey brings up like ask it around you ask around and people are like the shot selection is just horrendous no there's a real immaturity to his approach to the game so where what like you guys said like fits everything I can't figure out who he needs to go to I he needs to go to a place like Metcalf saying with the locker room, the yeah. presence, the patience, and you know, I Portland maybe um, at twenty three, um, Miami, Brooklyn. I don't know. Miami would break him. I think Miami would break him. Jimmy Butler would have a field day <laughs> with him in the first week of practice. But and I'm rooting for Gigi. Um. I just don't know it yet. I, I'm I'm hoping someone I'm hoping he goes to the right place. Yeah. I'm so, hoping he goes somewhere that will literally give him a shot yeah. to get it. Get I mean, it to be with a pro. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, just to piggyback off of everything that you guys are saying, I think it's really interesting to note the names that we have above him on our big board. Uh, we have Max Lewis, Kobe Bufkin, and Kobe Jones, right? And the points that you guys just made, what is Gigi Jackson gonna offer on an NBA court of, uh, other than on the dribble, you know, with the ball in his hand, trying to take a wild shot. It's not much, right? But look at the names that we have above him. Like when we look at Kobe Bufkin, we know he's a guy that, you know, his shooting's developing, but he's going to be a good defender. Like he has lightning quick hands. Um, you talk about a guy like Max Lewis, someone I've talked about many times. Uh, he, I think he's going to be able to shoot it from day one. I think he's going to be awesome, right? Colby Jones, a guy that I've written about, that Rucker's written about, a guy who can do four or five things on an NBA court really, really well, we think, from the, the day he steps on an NBA court. So I think, you know, considering all that, I think that kind of proves our point, too. And the reason why he is in the range that he's in is that he doesn't, right now, as you, as Metcalf mentioned, everything's pretty damn theoretical. And if that's the point, if that's the case, then you take a guy in the 20s, right? Like Kai yeah. Jones went in the 20s and... Look at, well, not to say that he's Kai Jones, but I'm just, just throwing out a name, right? And um, that turned out the way that it turned out. And so I'm, I'm not saying that Gigi Jackson is Kai Jones, but it, that's kind of the range that you take it to that type of guy is what I'd say. You know what? Maybe he goes to the Clippers. Maybe the Clippers go up and get him. And they say, hey, this is Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. You're not going to outplay them. Where's their G League team? Are they in, were they in Mexico? It's on the bench. It's on the bench, and they maybe are saying you're not going to outplay Kawhi and Paul George. You're but, right because Kawhi and PG just noted locker room leaders. Yeah, you know <laughs> <laughs> they don't need. You know what? He could use a little more Kawhi Leonard in, in probably his life. Mm. Like watch the watch the Terminator go to work. How long, how long would it take Kawhi Can to you say just a full sentence op- to him? 
Kawhi doesn't talk full Seven sentences. Seven months? Did you hear him laugh? Come on, I'm talking <laughs> why, to... We why have talk to... full sentences? <laughs> yeah. Why say why many say, words with a few words? words <laughs> okay, let's move on because we, we've we, we taken got... a, a set in a world record for not <laughs> getting good, out of the first be... round. It's okay. Everyone's having fun. This might need to get split, but we'll see. Um, all right, moving on to the next group. Uh, Nick Smith at 21, Derek Lively at 22, Derek Whitehead 23, Ray Andrew Pair at 24, and Marcus Sasser at 25. Corey, what stands out? Oh, friend well, of the program. Friend of the program, me. Marcus Sasser. <laughs> I, I, there's a part of me. My, my final board, he might be closer to the lottery than than not. And not just because, you know, he's a friend of the program. I, I've been on Sasser for two years now. Pause. Every, every time I watch him, I'm just like, the shot making is pretty special. You know, like, to be able to create your own shot that consistently at that volume and have two seasons um, where you're basically at 40% back-to-back years. And, and, and again, aesthetically, it looks at and to be able to play defense on the other end. We talked about how we don't really love these smaller guards, but every now and then there are exceptions and outliers and you know, he has a six seven wingspan. He keeps winning. You know, he, he's on successful teams. I, I know it's weird that I value that, but like there's something about these guys that I'm just like, I think he sticks. If if any of these guys who are long shots are to make it um, I'm a buyer. I'll believe in Sasser. I, he he knows the game. He talks the game. He's a dog. I, he's he's gonna be able to like you're gonna be able to trust him if you're a coach. A coach is gonna be able to trust him on the court. You know what I mean? He doesn't turn the ball over ever, and he's got one of the tightest handles. And um, yeah, he's a little bit older, but I mean, if he doesn't get hurt last year, he's a first round pick. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like he was, he's lighting the world on fire last year. He got hurt. He came back. He played well at the combine. Killed the G League elite camp. Um, he told me himself, like he was like when I was playing at the combine. He's like, I'm not saying it was easier because the talent, you know, was more competitive, but the NBA game is a little bit easier. There's more room. That that's really helpful. Um, I I'm a buyer in him, so I'm I'm, I'm glad we have him in the first round because I I think at the very least. He's one of these guys, NBA skill set, yeah, you know, and smart player, winner. Like he deserves to be at least in the discussion the first round. I, I think you know he, sh- you could talk me into him anytime after twenty. Um, I mean, and even a few spots before, given the right circumstance, personally. But uh, he's just a guy that I think teams are going to like, trust, and and at a certain point that matters. And you just got to get guys who are going to be able to play on the court because f- how many guys actually hit at the end where it's just like this guy has no chance of hitting sometimes like you could hit a single or a double and that's like really valuable because those are the guys that are going to give you the depth to make deep runs so i i love sasser uh, rucker albert anyone in this range that really kind of um surprise I, you i just i'll be quick albert i think this is the are you in or out range mm-hmm. a lot of these guys like you either believe or yeah. you're just out um Lively's making a little bit of a push back up. Nick Smith, we've had plenty of discussion about. I don't know if we need to have the Nick Smith hour right now. Tariq, same story. Rupert has got some doubters because I think a lot of people are chasing the numbers, and you need to realize that there's a lot of fans in front offices. A lot of people are asking about him. So, interesting range. Um, I love Sasser, too. I'm right there with you. Corey, I mean, Albert, go ahead. Uh, just really qu- quickly on Sasser. Um, a couple of years ago, another guard came out of Houston, 
played a couple years there um nba body could really shoot the ball ended up going to the knicks and now he plays a lot for the knicks and he's really good in uh quentin grimes and i'm not saying they're identical players they have very different skill sets but sasser has an nba ready body um i think a game tailor made for the league and i think he's gonna show up to the combine he's gonna dominate and i think nba teams are gonna just write him down and be like okay he's a first round guy that'll go in the top 25 so i think that could definitely happen um on top of that um lively is a guy who's moved up my board a lot after going back and just watching him and i I think the point that Corey made to me a couple months ago is like dude he's He's going to be an NBA guy. There's a role for him. Yeah. You know, he's really athletic. He's gigantic. He can catch the ball. Um, one day he may be able to shoot threes. I mean, he doesn't do it now, but he may be able to. We don't know. Um, but, you know, even having that variability of like, like he may end up becoming a shooter is always interesting. And then um, Derek Whitehead is Derek Whitehead. I don't know. I mean, for me, when I think about Whitehead, I... I kind of reminds me of Gigi Jackson too and then he right now there's like one thing that he does well but he doesn't do it well right he he shot like what 41 percent from three which is really good that's a good number right but um when Corey and I we did our breakdown of his I mean there are some really tough things in his tape like when he goes to the basket a lot of times it looks gnarly so um wanted to throw that in there all right, moving on. Uh, Chris Murray at 26, C.D. Sissoko at 27, Trace Jackson Davis at 28, Terquavion Smith at 29, Julian Strother at 30, Rucker. Um, I like these guys. I like all of them. Um, I can't stop loving TJD. I just did his film for our finals on YouTube. Please go check them out. They're great. Love People love them. His footwork's insane. He dunks every fucking thing in the world. He blocks every fucking thing in the world. I think someone's going to figure him out. I think someone's just going to be like, yeah, to give it, we'll take it. Like, it would not shock me if he goes to the top 20. Hey, it, it draft just, good players. And that's what I'm saying. Draft productive yeah. good players that got better. I don't care. Me and you have talked about this, Metcalf. I don't care that he hasn't had an outside shot because the playmaking yeah, I, developed. I don't either. The playmaking developed, and it was so impressive when I went back and watched this whole thing, that I was like, bonkers. just take this kid. Like, just figure it's Four fine. assists a game. Yes. Yeah. With 20 and 10. And and it's out of movement. And three blocks. And, three blocks. and it, his playmaking is like out of movements, kicking out of drives, manipulating double teams. It's also... Like, yeah, kicking yes. out of the short roll. Like, he's reading and reacting to what the defense is doing and anticipating and moving them, even where he's in the post-up. Double kind of starts coming over. He looks at weak side shooter moves both defenders and then the cutter comes through and he hits them for an easy layup it, it's really really high level stuff especially for a big man he's got legit rim gravity yes. you know like and, yes. and that opens stuff up because guys have to rotate over to go help at the rim because he's a really good one-on-one scorer in the post so if you have a guy like here's the thing post scoring is actually kind of back in the nba i love it it's, it never left but it's back i'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> it's not you know, it used to be that like everybody played in the post, and now it's only reserved for like people who are good at playing at the post, which seems like a good strategy. But you know who usually the guys that are good at playing out of the post? Also, the guys that are passing out. And now you're create. It's not just all right, high ball screen, so we can create open threes. You know what else creates open threes? When guys have to double or help from the backside, and that's where the playmaking is valuable. And he also has some some of the modern stuff as far as playmaking goes that that you touched on. So. Guys are are not fully developed when they come in the league. He's going to have stuff that he gets better at. Just as 
a million guys have before him. Nobody thought that some of the guys who are shooting threes now were going to end up shooting based on their college career. So you go to the right spot, you take time, might not happen right away, but what he can offer right away or in, you know, during his rookie contract is valuable um, for a team that's going to be drafting towards the back of the first round or perhaps the early second round. Yeah. And just last thing on him, Real quick, because the argument is going to be, well, he's 6'9". He's not big enough to play center. But how much of that does he make up for with his explosiveness, with his footwork, with his His tree trunk legs? A lot. He's a thick... He's thick. Exactly. And he's got fast movements. He ain't JT Thor. Yeah. He's... he's, Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. No, but he's so quick, too, with, I'm going to get somewhere in a hurry. Yep. And it's not out of control. It's calculated... I just, I, I'd go get him. I would go get, like, OKC, go get him. Trade up from the second, get rid of one of those f- future first, put him with Chet. Just go get a good fucking player. Like, don't overthink it. A lot of teams, go get him. Like, I, I just think that's a guy going to play a long time. It is remarkable. I liked him last year as a second-round guy, and right now I'm like, oh, my gosh, he got so much better in one year. Applaud guys for saying they can get better, and he has become a machine. I, I, I absolutely love him. So sorry. Okay, uh, moving on to I second hate round. When does that? I hate when he does it. Okay, let's just move. On. Well, no, I'm just glad that you, you know. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. Go ahead, Corey. Okay, uh, moving on. <laughs> Go ahead, Megaf. Sorry. Okay, uh, so 31. Noah Clowney. Uh, 32, Adem Bona, 33, Jaime Hawkes, 34, Leonard Miller, 35, Kyle Filipowski, 36, Mike Miles, 37, Brandon Podzemski, uh, 38, James Najee, 39, Julian Phillips, 40, Bilal Koulibaly. Albert, this range, guys you love, anything surprise you? Um, nothing really surprises me. I think all these guys kind of deserve to be in this range. Um, obviously, Corey and I are big Hawkeyes guys, so uh, great to see him here. Uh, I, I heard you guys talk about Bona the other night, so Bona's excellent. Seen him live a couple times. He's great. Um, no, I'm pretty cool with this with this range. Um, I, I really like Julian Phillips still. Uh, I know he didn't shoot the ball the way that... Um, I think we were hoping him to, but I will say he did shoot it well from the free throw line, and that's always a good sign for me. If a guy shoots it well from the free throw line, then I'm going to continue to stay positive, and I think the defensive stuff is always good with him, and I think he's just going to end up being an NBA, a guy that NBA teams really enjoy, and I, I, I'm always going to be in on him. Um, but yeah, everyone else, they feel like they kind of deserve to be in that range, so I'll, I'll just move on from there. Yeah, I'll keep it short. Um Mike Miles at 36, I don't care what I got to do. I'm going to, you know, load up my next board just so he keeps moving up the boards. I love him. Um, I'm I'll, I'm being serious, though. I actually really like that he's slowly starting to creep back up. I just watched his film. I'm, I'm, I'm a believer. I, I, if I swing and miss on that one, I don't care. But I absolutely love him. I had him. I would have drafted first. him last year. I would have drafted him last year. Pajemski, love him. I don't know where he's going to go. I Air, don't know. AirPods, trademark. AirPods. I don't, I just, I believe it. I just watched his game and I'm like, I'll, I'll believe it. So, love those guys. Um, going to be interesting to see what kind of momentum they can make in the pre-draft process. But, Corey, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I'm with you on Miles. Um, just a bulldog. I, I mean, young junior. 
even go back watch that um that FIBA tape he was on the uh the USA gold medal team with like Chet and Kenneth Lofton and Jaden Ivey and he had some big moments in that game so he you know that's kind of his class um <clears throat> Najee I think is a guy that we don't talk about enough I mean he's playing very limited minutes in Barcelona, but he's playing in Barcelona as an 18 year old behind a bunch of, um, you know, veteran guys with NBA experience at that 18 years old, physical freak. That I think could be a little bit of Jalen Duran type stuff to him. Uh, I, I really think he's going to be great value. I'd be honestly, I'd probably be shocked if he even makes it, this far and and where we have them ranked i agree yeah um and then i mean koulibaly at at 40 and i think part of it is um i don't know he's up in the air like do we know what he's doing like is he gonna be in this draft is he gonna be in the next draft i don't think we know uh but he's got some special movement patterns he's got some he's gonna be 18 on draft night he's got good wing size insane athlete uh he's got some stuff where i'm like you know what if he's one of the 14 best players, if he's in this draft and he ends up being one of the 14 best players in this draft seven years from now, not shocked. Like, I think his his potential is is sky high. Um, so he's he's really intriguing. He's a guy that I would really bet on. Like, he's, to me, is a, a really worthwhile upside swing. I bet on both of those, the international guys. I would bet on both of them. I'm like, I'm, I'm with Corey. I think Najee's going to shock the shit out of some people. Um, I think he's just a freak of nature. Defensively, he's got a lot of stuff he has got to clean up offensively. When it just comes like bad habits, you know, not waiting for to set screens or, you know, just needing to get rid of iron some of stuff out. But when he's the roll man and he's got some daylight and he's around the basket and he can play defense and block shots, there's some really advanced stuff for how young he is and his frame is... He looks like the Hulk out his there. His wing I can't wait to see his wings. I hope we get his wingspan. He's gonna yeah. Those guys are gonna test, and if they officially declare, people are gonna start falling in love in a hurry. Because it's either get them over and develop them, or you're that's a dream stash guy. Both of those guys. And I, I think both of them you'd want to bring them over and develop them. Well, and we mm-hmm. always see international guys go a little earlier than most boards usually have them especially in the first like late first round with contending teams who don't necessarily need a young piece right away but have a proven developmental track record and they get an extra year with that first round guarantee contract so i would be pretty surprised if those two names fall out of the first round just because of the value and potential that's there and the teams who are picking them probably don't need them anytime soon but if they speed up their development a little quicker than we think and they turn into someone a lot quicker than we think awesome turns out just for the better but moving on at 41 we have trey alexander 42 Jalen wilson 43 kevin mcculler 44 arthur kaluma 45 andre jackson 46 jordan walsh 47 tucker devries 48 deron holmes 49 ricky council the fourth 50 nicola juricic rucker go um, Jurisic at 50 just really hurts. Um, Andre Jackson, 45. Talk to me, folks. Let's, let's have some fun here. The game wrecker, the, I call him inspector gadget. Did the tournament run change your mind about Andre Jackson? Is there a role? Define change your mind. Uh, are you buying him becoming an effective NBA player for five plus years? 
Personally, yes. Um, in what capacity, I'm not entirely sure. Um, and Or how f- frequently, I'm not entirely sure. Um, because, like, we've, we've talked about a bunch. I think for spurts in games, you throw him in there, generate a little chaos, uh, initiate the transition, force turnovers, have some cool flashy assists, and then once he starts throwing the ball out of bounds and airballing a couple threes, you pull him. And maybe you give it 10, 15 minutes, put him back in, see what happens, and either let him go for another five, six minutes or yank him after 45 seconds. Corey? Yeah, I mean, for me, I got I, I saw him live at the Big East tournament, and um, he, like you say, he was a game wrecker. Like, he's everywhere um, on the court all at one time. Really, really fun stuff. I think he's going to spend a lot of time in the G League. Yeah. Uh, developing his game, I think that, and I think that's fine. But, obviously, he has a lot of winning tendencies, a lot of things that coaches are going to value. Metcalf touched on, you know, why he could be an energizer bunny to really just give you a shot of life, you know, be that proverbial, you know, um, Pulp Fiction shot to the heart. Uh, and good, and good I, th- movie drop. I think those guys are valuable, you know. So I he's, he's a game wrecker for sure. But at number 49, can, can Santa bring Ricky Council a jump shot for Christmas? Because, man, if that dude had any semblance of an okay jump shot. Three-point shot or jump shot? I mean, I I would love the three point shot because I don't think he's going to be given the freedom to be taking many mid range shots at the next level. That's a big thing. Um, yeah, and that's why he needs that three point shot. Um, but even so, like you know, I would love if he was if it just if Santa brought him a, a better mid range shot, better everything, you know. Like, but yeah, definitely that the three point shot is the swing. He's so strong. He's got a great handle. I think he could pass a little bit. I, he could be a, I, just. I need him to get with like Chip England at OKC, um, Fred uh, Vincent Vin- at in New Orleans. Uh, just anybody who has a proven track record of build rebuilding shots because he's got to start from scratch. Yeah. But but man, that kid has got some shit to him when when he's got it going. Albert, go ahead. No, I. I agree with all that. Just to go back to Andre Jackson really quickly, I I love everything that you said, Metcalf. Like I see him as a second unit guy. Yeah. Like what he was doing for UConn with the ball in his hands, like I think he could maybe do that, but as a second unit guy, you'd want him definitely doing that uh, with the bench, um, not with the starters at all. Um, but you know, who knows, right? He can develop and his handle can get tighter and his jump shot can improve. And then we will be talking about a different player. But then again, I can say that about every player on our big board. So let's move on. Um, Jordan Walsh. There's a little bit of a Jordan Walsh renaissance going on with people throwing him up on their boards higher and higher. And I get it. He has the longest arms on planet earth. Um, and he's a pretty tough defender, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think he's pretty limited offensively. I, I don't know how much that gets better, but I get it. Like the defensive stuff is there. I think he could pass a little bit. Those are all good things, but um, I think he's in this range for a reason. And I'm not saying that, you know, all of a sudden no ceilings are geniuses, but it, I mean, he's here for a reason. Like I think that's fair. Um, other than that, I'm pretty, uh, Kaluma, you know, I, I'm still in on Kaluma. I like Kaluma. I hope um, that continues, but um, I'm pretty okay with this range overall. Well, rounding out the second round in our top 60, um, 
friend of the program, Jalen Clark at 51, uh, Donovan Klingon at 52, Naquan Tomlin at 53, Amari Bailey at 54, Azulis Tubelis at 55, Jordan Miller 56, Zach Eady 57, Reese Beekman 58, Keontae Johnson 59, Kobe Brown 60. I think there's one name on here yes, that we have to talk, talk about. about it so we can Donovan Klingon. Really... Zach Eady. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Both of them. So whoever wants it, go for it. Um, I think we need to calm down. Yeah, he's fine. He's he's fine. I think everyone needs to calm down. Um, this isn't anything against Donovan, but I think uh, saying that potentially he's a top twenty pick is we need to calm the fuck down. And if everyone wants to come at me, bring on the heat. I will gladly take that on. I am fine with saying that I think a guy that's playing limited minutes and putting up fantastic production needs more reps needs more experience because can he sustain yes because me and Corey talked about this and everyone's been coming a lot of us in the no ceilings crew that you know you know his, his weight his body transformation from high school to this year has been fantastic i said that's great he just played limited minutes so how is he going to do when we're running him at 30 minutes a game defending nba guys not even that yet. Defending college guys for 30 minutes a game, they're going to bring him out for every pick and roll set. Yes, he's been unbelievably productive in limited spurts off the bench, probably usually against bench guys on the other team. He's looked awesome. But let's give him another offseason. Let's let him continue to work on his body, maybe build up some definition, some other strength, get the conditioning rolling. He's going to play serious minutes now everyone's gonna argue and be like hey well he just played spurts on the nba level and it's like okay i'm trying to get this guy in the lottery next year like i i I don't think taking him this year because you're trying to find the new shiny guy with the pre-draft the next walker kessler yes um (laughs) i just don't get i don't get it i i and you know what we never root against anyone i just think that from what i've seen at hoop summit if Donovan had another great, fantastic year with more minutes, I think he could be a lottery guy. And some people are going to say this year, and I'm like, I don't, I don't see it this year. Yeah, and I, I think he would probably be the first big off the board next year. Yeah. Um, just looking at the class as of right now, uh, he moves. I, I think he moves really well in small spaces. Um, his shot blocking is really good. Stop fucking comparing it to Walker Kessler. Walker Kessler had the highest block rate in college basketball since 2008. It's different. Stop it. Um, also, if he was that good this year, why didn't he start? Yeah. No, I'm just, I'm serious. Like, uh, yes, they have. It, the not team. even start. It's why didn't he play and, more minutes? And, and, and look, they won the fantastic. Nat- they, yes. They, they won the national championship. Yes. They, they all played the exact appropriate amount yes. of minutes yes. that they should yes. have played. Yes. Right. Um, and Sonogo was stepping out yes. and shooting a little bit, right? You know he what I mean? fantastic for them. So, so what I'm saying, why, you know, it, it, if Klingon had to be on the floor, he'd have been on the floor. Hey, look, he was—he's very good. Yes, very, I, I very him, good. Because it sounds—it feels like we're sounding harsh. And the reason he's even this low, I think, because I think that if he declared, I do think that he would go up. He yes. would—he would even be higher. Even if you were on the skeptical side, you'd probably have him like closer to low thirties, yes. something like that, maybe late twenties. Yeah. Um, if you're on the skeptical side, 
I under and I understand Walker Kessler works, so maybe this guy is going to work. I think I'm probably the number one. I love NBA player comp guys at no ceilings, right? Yeah. But you know, you also can't always just be like, well, this guy works, so this guy is going to work. And and I do think Klingon has a shot to really work at the next level. But Walker Kessler was a guy who went back to school and yeah. you know really helped himself by doing that and proved that he could play with sustained production. You can't try to swat every single shot if you're playing, you know, way more minutes because you have to be like, all right, I can't foul as much because I'm going to get into foul trouble and I'm going to play. So you have to be a little bit more, you know, choosy with what shots you're going after. We said if you're playing 30 minutes a game, what's going to happen when, um, you know, uh, Damian Lillard pulls you out on a switch at the end of a game and you're tired and he's got you in a pick and roll. Uh, or, or gets you on an island. These are things that we have to take into consideration. He hasn't proven that he can play that many minutes. Uh, that's what we want to see. We, we're not buy, saying we don't buy into him as a prospect yep. long-term. It's just early. Yeah. It's just early. And maybe you feel like, all right, well, if I draft him early, I can get great value. Or maybe sometimes players can go back to school and they can develop more and that leads them on a stronger trajectory than if they came out a year earlier and didn't get the same reps and opportunities. Because if he slips up, based on the fact that he, you know, at the next level he goes out this year, he's not going to have as long of a leash as he might if he proves that he could replicate his 14 block percentage or even up it um, next year on with more minutes. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think I, I get why people are infatuated by him. But again, in the draft world, you know, we're looking for things to talk about at this point. We're looking for new topics, new storylines, new arcs for our characters in this television show that we've been writing for months and months and months. But we got a lot of time and for everybody to come back around. So that's what we're saying with with Klingon. We're no one's out. We get it if nope. you're in. We but we have some questions and we'd like some answers. Yeah. I agree. And I think the only reason, like you said, he's on our board is because everyone has to remember these are consensus reports. Like, if I don't have him in my top 60, it's because I'm like, I don't think he's going to go back or I don't think he's going to declare. And some of us are like, well, regardless of that, we have him in our top 60 players in college basketball. And it's like, that's great. So, like, we don't make rules with our consensus. Like, I don't know. It's just one of those things where I think if he officially declares and he's like, I'm in, that's going to result in a different conversation of him skyrocketing but i think there's a lot of unanswered questions that you know everyone is trying to jump in right now to the draft community and the, and the diehards know everyone's had an eye on Klingon the whole year but right now we're trying to you know jordan hawkins could not be a hotter topic right now it's because he was just on tv every day yeah. till the end and he was so fancy and then everyone's talking about Klingon, and everyone's like Look at this guy. He should be going in the 20s. It's like, we've been watching all year. Calm down, hey, guys. Shout we've done out, our homework. Shout out Albert Garbage Time Gim for a second, yes. who had Hawkins, I think, top 30 last year when yes. he was averaging five points a game and shooting like in the 30s. Um, my man's got the eye. But yeah, it, it, sometimes guys you know, are hot in the discourse. Like That's what social media is about. So um, shout out the UConn guys. We love them all. Hell of Go Huskies. I, and I love them. The I Big like East them. is back, boys. <laughs> the Big East is back. Um, but that's all I got, Metcalf. Fellas, this was a blast. Uh, we still got a couple hoops on it. 
events uh, for the rest of the week that, you know, I'm sure we'll have some sort of content on. Um, but fellas, plug away. Corey, tell the people where they can find you. Uh, at Corey Tullaba on Twitter, NBA Draft Dude on TikTok, um, all the other places. Make sure you hit uh, at No Ceilings NBA on all of the social medias while you're there. And I'll let Rucker do the other No Ceilings blogs. But uh, Albert, where can the people find you? Um, you can find me in the sunny state of California and not here in rainy <laughs> Portland. Uh, but you can find me at Alberto Gim on Twitter. On Instagram, I'm at GTGNBA is where I'm at. This has been a pleasure, guys. Really appreciate you guys having us on and um, excited for more. Yeah, it's been a fun one, Metcalf. Thanks for being patient. Everyone, thanks for being patient, listening the whole time. Um, follow us on YouTube. Go check out all the finals videos. Go check out the film sesh videos that Corey and Albert have been grinding with some of the draft prospects. Um, it's been awesome. A lot of good stuff. So that's all I got, Metcalf. Follow me at Tyler underscore Rucker on Twitter. Bring me some Donovan Klingon heat. I, I challenge you. I'm welcoming all of it. You're going to get plenty of gifts in response. So um, that's all, gentlemen. And this one's been a treat. Everyone have a great weekend. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe, leave a, five, leave a review, and a five-star rating. Until next time, see you.